This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavuashir. This year, Tavshin Ayn, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Vaxman. This week, Pashat Noach, I would like to discuss the famed and well-known question of the quality, the nature of the tzitkut, the righteousness of Noach. Pashat Noach, Perg Vav, Pasuk Terin, Sefer Breshit, opens as follows. Ela toldot Noach, these are the generations of Noach. Noach ish tzadik tamim haya bedorotav. Noach was a righteous man, a tzadik, tamim, perfect in his generation or generations. Et elokim hitalech Noach. Noach walked in the ways of God. In the following Pasuk, Pasuk Yud, Vayolet Noach shosha banim etchem betcham etyafet. Apparently, Parashat Noach opens with a genealogy. Ela toldot Noach, these are the generations of Noach. And following in Pasuk Yud, these are the three sons of Noach, Shem, Cham, Yafet. But as kind of a, a parenthetical insertion, the Torah gives us a, not so much a genealogical fact, but a, a biographical or a character fact about Noach, and tells that, that Noach was a tzaddik, not just a righteous man, but tamim. Uh, and furthermore, not just tzaddik and tamim, but also et elokim et noach, that noach walked in the ways of God. Um, so, apparently, what we're supposed to learn here is that noach was righteous. In point of fact, the Torah emphasizes this again a bit later on uh, in the Chumash in Parshat Noach. Uh, God yet speaks again to noach further on uh, in Perak Zion, uh, Pasuk Aleph. And here, introducing, introducing the segment where God tells noach to actually enter into the Teba, in Perek Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, the Torah says as follows, V'yom HaShem L'Noach, Ba'ata, V'chol Betcha El HaTeba. You should go in, you and all of your household, to the Teba, Kiyotcha Ra'iti Tzadik Lefanai Badar HaZeh. Because you alone I saw as a righteous man in this generation. Again, for the second time, the Torah describes Noach as being tzaddik. Again, here, even more so, it is God speaking who describes Noach as being tzaddik. And apparently, uh, one would think that the pshat of the psukim is in accord with the opinion of Ramban. What I mean by this, in the famed opinion of Ramban, Noach is in fact an absolute and perfect tzaddik. And here I quote uh, from the words of Ramban found in Parag Vav Pasuk Tet at the beginning of Parshat Noach. Ramban says as follows, Is tzaddik tamim haya, Noach was a righteous and whole perfect man. Yaskir hakatub, the Torah mentions, she has zakai, that Noach was worthy, deserving, innocent, vishalem, and whole b'tzidko, perfect in his righteousness. Lahodia, to let us know, and I may add, to emphasize, shra'ui lihinatzel min hamabul, she'en la'onesh klal. That Noach is worthwhile or worthy to be saved from the marvel, from the destruction, from the flood. That he deserves no punishment. Because he is always or constantly or perfectly in righteousness. Because the righteous man is the one who is innocent and unblamed, cannot be blamed. The opposite of the evildoer, etc. So Ramban takes the approach, and I think we would say this is Pshuta Shal Mikra that uh, Noach is a whole, perfect, complete, and absolute tzaddik. Well, what about the famed mention of Dorotav? Does not the Pasuk say that Noach was tzaddik bedorotav? Or does not God say to Noach in Parag Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, 
in this generation. And one might be inclined to say that Noach's tzidkut, Noach's righteousness, is perhaps relative uh, to the evildoers of his generation. In comparison to those evildoers of the Durham Abol, Noach appeared as righteous, but in fact he was not a wholly complete uh, nor a total tzaddik. And this could be, one could claim, something that one could claim. But Ramban has a ready answer. Commentating on the word bidorotav, found in Perakvav Pasuk Tet, Ramban says as follows, Vanachon be'inai lefi hapshat, and is correct in my eyes according to the simple reading of the text, ki ta'amo, the reason for the usage of this term, Dorotav Lomar, to tell you, that he is the only tzaddik in those generations, or in that generation. There is no righteous or perfect man in his generation other than him. Um, and likewise, later on, the Pasuk in Perak Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, when God says to Noach, you alone I saw as a tzaddik in this generation, there is no other. According to Ramban, the emphasis on Dorotav or Dor Hazeh is to emphasize the point of that Noach is the only tzaddik, the only perfect man, the only one who is uh, virtuous enough to be saved, and because of this, he is saved. So, if so, Ramban presents us with a coherent reading of Mikra. The Torah opens with the Tzitkut of Noach. We're supposed to know this. God speaks of the Tzitkut of Noach. Noach walks in the ways of God. And Noach is the only righteous man in his generation. And therefore he is saved. And this is the approach of Ramban and one reading of the Pshat of the Psukim. However, as we all know, this is not the only approach. There is a Rashi, a famed Rashi, which Rashi opens Parshat Noach with, and I will read it to you, Rashi and Perikvav, Pasuk Tet, V'dorotav. Yesh meravotenu doshim oto l'shevach. There are those of our rabbis who are doresh, who interpret this l'shevach, to the praise of Noach. Kol shken, shilohya bedor tzadikim hayat tzadik yoter. Certainly, alachat kama v'kama. If Noach had been in a righteous generation, he would have been even a greater tzadik. Chazal here, or at least the opinions of Chazal cited by Rashi, interpret Noach's tzidkut, Noach's righteousness, as, as relative, bidorotav, in, rel, in relation to his generation, or, or relative uh, to his generation. Uh, and one opinion is to be Doresh l'shavach, uh, to the praise of Noach, that if he had been in a different generation, uh, a generation of tzaddikim, of other righteous men, he would have been influenced uh, for the better, and his righteousness would have reached even greater heights. And this is the first opinion found in Rashi. The second opinion, of course, is the one I would like to discuss, and the one which in some ways is more interesting. And yet there are those who interpret this Liginai to the detriment of Noach. In accord or in relation, relative to his generation, he was a righteous man. But if he had been in the generation of Avraham, he would not have been considered anything. In comparison, or in contrast, or relative to the generation of Avraham, or perhaps to Avraham himself, Noach would have been considered nothing. Noach's tzitkut is relative. Uh, Noach is just about the best that there is around. 
and therefore God saves him and has him build the Teva and enter into it and survive, not because Noach is a whole and perfect tzaddik, but simply because he's about the best there is in this generation and relative to a different generation, the generation of Abraham, Noach would have been considered nothing. Now, the question that I would like to discuss, this is certainly a fascinating midrash, and it has a, an attachment or a hook in the psukim of the word bidorotav, bidor hazeh. One can interpret this as indicating a certain relative quality to Noach's righteousness, whether it be l'shevach for praise, whether it be l'ginai, like the second opinion cited in Rashi. But at the same time, we certainly have a sense in reading the psukim that the weight of the argument seems to be with Ramban. The Torah opens with the tzitkut of Noach. Um, Noach is tamim. Noach walks in the ways of God. God himself speaks of the righteousness of Noach. And we are struck with the sense that the Midrash is doresh, what it is doresh. It interprets what it interprets. It suggests what it suggests. We do not have a strong feeling that this is rooted in uh, the sense of Pshutah Mikra. What I would like to try to do in the Shior is to raise the question as to whether we can, so to speak, open the parameters of our vision a little bit further. Whether we can look at the Pesukim perhaps in a slightly broader way and perhaps justify um, this second interpretation of Rashi. That maybe there is some way to view Noach's Tzitkut as, as relative and to justify this in the concept of Pshutah Shel Mikra to kind of suggest a defense for the opinion of Rashi, the second opinion of Rashi, over and against the strong attack of Ramban. And this is one issue I'd like to discuss, a defense of the second opinion of Rashi. How can we truly say that perhaps Noach's Tzitkut is relative and not perhaps what it should be? And this is one issue I would like to discuss. Now, a second issue I would like to discuss is not so much a Pshutash Mikra issue, an issue about the text of uh, the Pesukim, but in fact an issue about Rashi himself. Um, and let me review briefly the language of uh, the second opinion found in Rashi, uh, where Rashi relativizes the tzitkut of uh, Noach. And the text of Rashi says as follows, well, And there are those who interpret this to Noach's detriment. Uh, relative to his generation, he was a righteous man. But if he'd been the generation of Abraham, he wouldn't be considered anything. Now, Rashi here um, performs the comparison to Avraham. Compared to the generation of Avraham or to Avraham, Noah wouldn't have been considered anything. What's interesting um, is that in the Midrashim, uh, most particularly Bereshit Rabbah, Parsha Lamed, um, and Rashi here is rooted in the Midrashim, that relativized the Tzitkut uh, of Noah, the comparison or who we compare Noah to in order to relativize his Tzitkut and to, so to speak, read down how righteous a man uh, Noah is, the character chosen is not Avraham, but in point of fact, it's someone uh, else altogether uh, different, and here, or a different set of characters, and, and here I cite from Breshit Rabbah Parsha Lamed. Vidorotav, in his generations, Rabbi Yudah Rabbi Nechemya, Rabbi Yudah Rabbi Nechemya, Rabbi Yudah Amar, Vidorotav Hayat Tzadik, in his generation is a Tzadik, Ha'ilu haya bedoro shel Moshe, o bedoro shel Shmuel, lo haya tzadik. If he had been in the generation of Moshe, or in the generation of Shmuel, um, he would not have been considered a tzadik. So here we have the Makar, the origin 
in the Midrash, in Tanaitic literature, for the opinion that relativizes and reads down the righteousness of Noah. And who is that? That's, of course, the shita, the position of um, Rabbi Yehuda. Um, but the comparison in the Midrash is not made to Avraham. The comparison in the Midrash is made to Moshe or Shmuel, who in many ways is a character that's quite parallel to Shmuel, and that is something we could talk about in the context of Shmuel. Primarily, the comparison is made to Moshe. Now, if you think about it, uh, that's kind of the obvious comparison on some level to make. Both Noah and Moshe are associated with water. Both Noah and Moshe go into the water. Both Noah and Moshe go into the Teva. Both Noah and Moshe come out of the Teva, and both Noah and Moshe are saved by means of the Teva from the stormy waters around them, so to speak. And one might say that the obvious comparison or the character to compare Noah to might be Moshe, and this is what the Midrash does. But fascinatingly enough, Rashi, in choosing to relativize and to read down the righteousness of Noah, does not compare to Moshe like the Midrash. Rashi, in fact, bases upon a different Midrash, a Midrash Tanhuma, um, not often necessarily cited by Rashi. And Rashi chooses to compare it to Abraham. And the question, the second question that I'd like to talk about, not so much is it justified to relativize and read down the righteousness of Noah from the perspective of Pshutash Mikra. But why compare it to Avraham? As opposed, why does Rashi compare it to Avraham as opposed to Moshe and by implication Shmuel as Rashi's original Makar in the Midrash does? Why Avraham? And these are the two questions primarily I would like to discuss in this Shibor. To begin, I think the answer to these perhaps two interrelated questions lies in realizing that the Torah, Sefer Breshit, in fact, constructs an elaborate parallel, an extensive and sustained comparison between Noah on the one hand and Avram on the other hand. What I'd like to do is to go through some of the details uh, of this parallel, which I think will eventually help us unlock some of the issues that, that we have raised. Let us return to the very beginning of Parshat Noah, uh, to the first Pasuk again, and some of the information that the Torah tells us about um, Noah. So we're told as follows. Ele toldot Noah, Noah ish tzadik, Noah was tzadik. Tamim haya bedorotav, Noah was whole, perfect. He was tamim is the phrase used. Etelokim etalech Noah, Noah walked in the ways of God. Now, fascinatingly enough, uh, these two phrases, tamim and etelokim etalech Noah, find a parallel Later on in Sefer Breshit, in Perak Yud Zayin, at the opening of the story of Brit Milah. And Perak Yud Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, uh, opens as follows. Vayi Avraham ben Tishim Shana Vitesha Shanim, Avraham was 99 years old. Vayira Hashem al Avraham, uh, God appeared to Avraham, Vayomer Elav, Ani Kel Shakai, I am Kel Shakai, Hit Alech Lifanai, Vehaye Tamim, Vinavriti, etc. As a preface to the story of Brit Milah, or to the giving of the covenant of Milah, God commands Abraham in something. He commands him, Anikel Shakai Hitalech Lefanai. He commands Abraham to walk in the ways of God, to walk in front of God, Ve'etamim, and to be perfect. So we have this dual idea of walking in the ways of God and Tmimut, and perfection. And these are exactly, uh, the phrases used by the Torah in the original context of Noah. Again, where we're told there, Noah was Tamim and and et Noah. So one connection between um, 
Noach and Abraham, is both of them are described as tamim, as whole, perfect. Uh, tamimot, perfection, is demanded of them. And both of them are described as walking in the ways of God. Noah had done it, and Abraham will do it. And this is one parallel, one point of connection. But if we think about it, this is actually the key to unlocking um, the, the second one. In the context of Noah, after God appears to Noah and commands him, informs him that the world is going to be destroyed, and commands him to build the teva, uh, God tells Noah that he's going to save him, and he's going to um, rescue him from this mabul that's going to come upon the earth. And Parak Vav, Pasakyud Chet, in Sefer Breshit, in Parashat Noah, says as follows, Vakimoti et briti itach, and I will establish my covenant with you, The terminology used by God and the Torah to describe Noah's being saved is Hakimoti et briti, the establishment of a Brit. So God establishes a Brit with this man who was Tamim, who was Mitalech Bidrachav, who walked in his ways. But if you think about it, this foreshadows what will happen later on in Perak Yud Zion, in the story of Brit Milah. Uh, God demands of Avram to be Tamim, to walk in his ways, and then uh, gives him the covenant of Brit Milah. And Perak Yud Zion, Pasuk Zion, in Sefer Breshit, in Parashat Lecha, says as follows, Vakimoti et Briti, the exact same phrase as used back in the case of Noach, I will establish my covenant. So a second parallel or connection between Noach and Abraham is not just the Tamim and Hitalech, but also the establishment of the covenant with both figures, Vakimoti et Briti, and that's a second connection between them. Third part of the sustained parallel that the Chumash creates between the two characters of Noach and Abraham. Quite interestingly, um, both Noah and Abraham are surrounded by a certain context, a certain absolutely corrupt society um, that God chooses to destroy. And this exactly is kind of the central theme of the opening of um, Parshat Noah. Take, for example, Paragvav Pasuk Yud Gimel. Vayomer Elohim Lenoach. Uh, God said to Noah, Kates kol basar balafanai, the end of all flesh has come before me, ki malaha aretz chamas mipneem, the world is full of violence, hevinini mashchitam et aretz, and therefore I am now going to destroy the earth. God basically tells Noah that the world is corrupt, the world is evil, and I am now going to destroy the earth. Um, so there's this surrounding society, culture, context that exists around Noah, uh, it is corrupt, uh, it is sinful, and God's intention is to destroy it. The verb used by the Torah is mashchitam, um, that I intend to destroy uh, this context. Now, fascinatingly enough, in the case of Abraham, we find something quite similar. And um, what I have in mind um, is that at some point God appears to Abraham, God reveals himself to Abraham, and uh, inform, informs him as follows. In Parak Yud Chet, Pasuk Kaf, Chapter 18, verse 20 of Sefer Bereshit. Vayomer Hashem, and God said to Abraham, Za'akat Sodom va'amorah ki rabah. The cry of Sodom va'amorah is very great. V'chatatam, and their sin, ki kavdamaod. It is very heavy. So there's this parallel society to Darham Mabul, this parallel culture or context to Darham Mabul that surrounds Abraham, just as Dorham Abul surrounds Noah, and that is, of course, Sodom. Abraham lives near Sodom. There's this cultural context of evildoers, the men of Sodom, that stand in opposition or contrast to Abraham. God's intention is to destroy them. Fascinatingly enough, 
the term used by the Torah for God's destruction of Sodom is exactly the same as in the case of the Mabel, the stem shin chetaf mashchit hashchata l'shachet, to destroy. When the Malachim uh, rescue Lot from within the confines of Sodom before the destruction is visited upon Sodom, in Perakutet, um, we are going to destroy this place because their cries become very great in front of God. The exact same word used in the case of the Mabo. So we have here a third parallel. We have the corrupt society that's going to be destroyed by God and the verb shachet that exists both around Noach and Abraham in Noach the case of Dara Mabul and in Abraham the case of Sodom. A Fifth parallel. We often think of the... No, sorry, I think I believe fourth. We often think of the destruction uh, of Sodom and, uh, the, and the world, in the case of the Mabul, is being very, very different. Um, Dora Mabul is destroyed by water. And, of course, Sodom is destroyed by fire, sulfur, ash, gafrit, vamelach, and, and the like. Right? Some sort of burning. And water and burning are, are kinds of the opposite, right? However, fascinatingly enough, the Torah uses almost the identical terminology in describing the destruction of the evil context, respectively, surrounding Noah and Abraham. In Perak Zion, Pasuk Dalid, um, back in Parshat Noah, Hashem says to Noah as follows, Ki od shiv'a, in another seven days, Anochi mamtir ala aretz, I will cause to mamtir, to rain down, to float down onto the earth. The destruction comes through the process of matar, a kind of raining down. Of course, in this case it's water, but something descends or comes down from God embodied in the verb mamtir, which destroys Dharabo. Strikingly, in the case of Sodom, um, the other context we've been discussing, the Torah employs very, very similar uh, terminology. In Perak Yitet, Pasuk Dalet, as Sodom is being destroyed, the Torah says, Vashem himtir al-Sodom va'al-Amora, and God caused to rain down on Sodom va'al-Amora, gafrit, uh, sulfur, va'esh, and fire, me'et Hashem in Hashemayim, himtir, mamtir, the same word. So we have here, I would say, a fourth point of parallel. To review, we have the fact that Avram and Noah are similar as being Tamim and walking in the ways of God. Secondly, uh, they're both given a, a Brit. Third, um, there's a kind of surrounding evil context that's going to be destroyed by God, embodied in the verb stem, shachet, meaning destruction. And fourth, in both cases, the destruction happens in, through the same kinds of means, the idea of matar uh, coming from God. Now, there's one more connection, one more parallel that is part of this sustained parallel between the stories of Noah and Abraham, between the stories of Parshat Noah and Parshat Vayera. Of course, in the case of, of Noah, as we well know, um, a family is saved. Not just an individual, but an entire family is saved. Perak Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, says as follows. God said to Noah, Come you and your entire household your family, into the Teva, because you alone I saw as righteous in this generation. A single family is saved by virtue of this righteous man, by virtue of this Tzadik. And later on, the Torah uses the terminology of Zechira, of Vayizkar. 
Everyone is saved because of the zikhira, their memory, their remembering by God of this righteous man, and this individual, his family, is saved from amidst the destruction because of the remembrance of this righteous man, and that's what happens in the story of Noah. Well, believe it or not, in the story of Vayera, in the story of Abraham and Sodom, the exact uh, same thing happens. Um, in uh, Perak Yudtet, Pasuk Kaftet, we're told uh, as follows. In Perak Yudtet, Pasuk Kaftet, when God um, destroyed the cities of the Kikar, not just Sodom and Amorah, but the others as well, Vayiskar Elokim et Avraham, God remembered Avraham. He remembered the righteous man, the Tamim, the one who walked in his derech. And of course, he saved Lot and Lot's entire family from midst of destruction. So we have the same exact logical structure. The memory of the righteous man embodied in the word zechira, the remembrance, and therefore the saving of an individual and a family from midst of destruction. In this case, the saving of the fam- of Lot and his family from midst of destruction of Sodom. And this is a fifth parallel between the stories of Noah and Dorham on the one hand, Parshat Noah, and Avraham and the destruction of Sodom, Parshat Vayera, on the other hand. Well, the question is, what are we to make of all of this? What is the point of this extended parallel between Noah and Avraham, between the two stories we've been discussing? And how does this help us with the questions we began with, uh, the relativization of the tzidkut of Noah, um, the reading down of the righteousness of Noah, and more specifically, of course, and this we've partially answered already, why Rashi compares to Abraham as opposed to Moshe. Well, we, I think we already have an intuition as to why Rashi compares to Abraham as opposed to Moshe, but we need to go a little bit deeper to put this all together. I think the key uh, to unlocking the meaning of this biblical parallel and working out the questions we've raised is to talk a little bit about particular righteousness of Noah, to understand it a little bit more deeply, what exactly its character is, what it's, what it's really all about. And I think the Torah gives us quite a bit of a hint as to the essence of the Tzikot of Noah. And to understand this, we need to go back uh, to the beginning of uh, Perak Vav, the beginning of Parshat Noah. Um, and let's pick it up in Perak Vav, uh, Pasuk um, Yud Gimel uh, for the moment. And there the Torah tells us as follows. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The world is full of violence. Because of them, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make it with compartments. And cover it on the outside and the inside, or the inside and the outside with black pitch. And then we get more of the instructions, and, and make it this size. It's got to be 300 amot long, and 50 amot wide, and 30 amot high, and it's got to have a window, and it's got to have a door, and you've got to have all the animals come to join you in the teva, and you've got to gather food uh, for all the animals, because you're going to be in there for a long time. And there's a rather extensive set of instructions that Noah is given here, as I would say, the main body of the opening section of Parashat Noach. The instructions range from about Perak Vav Pasuk Yudalid all the way until uh, Perak Vav Pasuk Kaf Aleph, about six or seven Pesukim of instructions. And the dis- instructions are quite detailed. And then 
we get one very pithy and important sentence. Perg Vav, Pasuk Kafbet says, Vayas Noach kechol asher tziva oto elokim kein asa. And Noach did all that God commanded him, so he did. Kechol asher kein asa, exactly as God commanded him, Noach was mevatzea. Noach carried out, he executed the divine command. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, throughout the story of Noah, we get this kind of phrase, or a similar kind of phrase, repeating itself. For example, in Perak Zayin Pasakei, we ask Noah, Noah did exactly as God commanded him. And later on, again, the notion of doing as God commanded is mentioned vis-a-vis Noah, at least three or perhaps four times throughout the text without revealing all the details. And apparently, the righteousness of Noah, or what Noah is about, is doing what God commands. Noah does as God is mitzaveh. Now, Big deal. Why is this significant? Um, God speaks, God commands, one should do. This does not seem to be that exceptional. But in the context of Sefer Breshit, we might say that being able to follow the tzivui, the command of God, is quite exceptional. And the reason for this being is that the word tzivui or vayitzav or the like, the, no, the word for command, uh, has appeared relatively infrequently um, in Sefer Breshit previously, and I would like to go back briefly to the first time uh, that it appears in Sefer Breshit. What I have in mind is Perak Bet, Pasuk Tetzayin, chapter 2, verse 16 in Sefer Breshit. And this is shortly after uh, God has placed man in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden. And the Torah says as follows, Vayitzav Hashem Elokim al Hadam, and the Lord God commanded the man, Lemar, Mikol etzagan achol tochel. So he's commanded to eat everything. Eat all of the trees from the, uh, from the garden. Umi etzadat tovara lo tochal mimenu. But from one tree, the tree of tovara, good and evil, lo tochal mimenu, uh, of knowing good and evil, etzadat tovara, uh, do not eat from it. Kibiyoma chachal mimenu tamot. Because the day you eat from it, you're going to die. So God, uh, gives man absolute free reign in the garden. Man is charged with working the garden, but, in terms of tzivoy, they're basically allowed to do whatever they want with one limitation. Eat from all the trees, but don't eat from this one particular tree. There's one simple command. Well, as we well know, this doesn't work out quite well. For some reason or another, whether it be because of ta'ava, desire, whether it be because of simple rebellion and disobedience, whether it be because of some sort of desire to be like God, Man, mankind, is not capable of obedience. They are not capable of listening to the divine word, of following the divine command. And we see this linguistically in Paragimel, um, Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, after the sin of eating from the Yitzhak Tovarah, man goes and hides uh, in uh, the bushes because he is naked and ashamed, and God appears and asked the following question. Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the answer, of course, is yes. And part of the fundamental dynamic in the history of mankind from Adam and on is the possibility or impossibility of following the tzivoy of God, of listening to the command of God. And until Noah appears on the scene, no one has been capable, in the deepest sense of following the tzivoy of God, of obedience to the word of God. And it is Noah who first and absolutely follows the tzivoy of God. Um, and we see this emphasized, I believe, at the beginning of Parshat Noah. How big is the boat? 300 amot long, and 50 amot tall, and 30 amot wide. And how long does this take, Noah? 
a very long time. And how many animals are that have to come to him and be placed into the teva? And how much food is there that has to be gathered? And how long does he have to be in there with them? And how Herculean is the task? And how monumental is the job he's given by God? But the Torah emphasizes over and over and over, and Noah did exactly as God commanded him. This is the righteousness of Noah. The ability of obedience, of following the divine command, of saying, yes, sir. On some level, this is what the Tzitkot, the righteousness of Noah, is about. Now, this is magnificent and significant in the history of humankind, but at the same time, it may be limited in a certain way. And to understand the limitations of the, this kind of righteousness, of obedience in following Tzivui and yes, sir, we need to return back to the story of Avraham and to look at the place where the Torah uses the verb stem tzadik, dalit, kuf, tzedek, or tzedakah in the context of Avraham. And once again, it is in the story of Avraham and Sodom. If we take a look at Perak Yudchet, Pasuk Yudchet, um, in Parashat Vayera, uh, later on in Breshit, I believe we will find something quite fascinating. Uh, after, actually, Pasuk Yudzayin, after uh, the Malachim, the angels, leave uh, Avraham and head off towards Sodom to destroy it, at that point in the narrative, at that point in time, the Torah gives us a kind of glimpse into God's inner thought, into God's inner speech. Perak Yudchet Pasuk Yudzayin says as follows, Vashem Amar, and God said, so to speak, to himself, Am I going to cover from Abraham that which I'm about to do? Avraham will be a very great and mighty nation. And the simple reading here is, is that A, no will be a great Avraham will become a great and mighty nation. B, it will be blessed through him or he will be a source uh, of blessing for all the nations uh, of the world. This, of course, is an echo of the beginning of Lechacha, Perak Yudbet, V'nivrechu b'cha kol mishpachot adama. that the purpose, the, the telos, the tachlit, the end, or part of the idea of, this is, uh, of the existence of Am Yisrael, what Avram is all about, is not just to be a great nation, but also to be a source of blessing for the other nations of the world. And the Torah goes on here in Perak Yudchet, Pasuk Yudtet, because I made myself known to him, they will keep the, the path of God, the Derech Hashem, the way of God, to do righteousness and justice, so that God will bring to Abraham that which he spoke to him. So the whole idea of becoming this great nation and... Um, being a source of blessing for other nations, is tied up with the idea of tzedakah and mishpat. It's not about just listening to the tzivoy of God per se, but it's about something more tzidkut in the sense of noach, or righteousness in the sense of noach, but apparently about something more expansive, tzedakah and mishpat. And I would like to share with you a, uh, a important comment from Ban about this phrase tzedakah and mishpat, one which actually appears back in the context of noach in and Ramban says as follows, referring to the Pasuk I just read, to do Tzedakah Mishpat, Shibech Oto Betzedek, Shehu HaMishpat, U Berachamim, Shehi HaTzedakah. 
What this means, and Rabban says, is that mishpat covers the idea of justice, of laws, of rules, of obedience, of following the rules. Tzedakah in the context of Abraham means something else altogether. It is something beyond justice, beyond mishpat. It is about rachamim. So tzedakah and mishpat, according to um, Ramban, are justice and rachamim. Or we might say in terms of pshuta shemikra, um, tzedakah is something beyond mishpat. It's a kind of positive righteousness, a kind of proactive righteousness. A proactive righteousness that is oriented towards a bracha for kol gayei haaretz. And we have to remember what follows immediately after this little revelation of God to Abraham, where God says, you're supposed to be doing tzedakah mishpat. God, pardon me, after this little internal speech of God, where God says the purpose of Abraham's nation is to do tzedakah mishpat and be a source of blessing for the rest of the nations. God then reveals to Abraham that Sodom is about to be destroyed. And how does Abraham respond? Perak Yudchet Pasuk Kaf Gimel Vegash Avraham Vayomer Ha'af Tisbet Tzadikim Rasha And Avraham came close and said, Will you also gather up the Tzadik, the innocent in this context, Ima Rasha, with the evildoer? Ula Yesh Chamishim Tzadikim Bitochir Maybe there are 50. Um, and Avraham concludes a, for, a bit later, Chalil L'chamiyasot Tekadavar Hazer How can you possibly do such a thing, Lahamit? Tzadik im rasha, to kill the righteous man along with the evildoer. Vayak tzadik v'rasha, impossible. Avram prays for Sodom. Avram prays for justice. And he goes on, if not 50, maybe 45, if not 45, maybe 40, maybe 30, maybe 20. He goes to 10. Avram continues to pray for the world, for the corrupt society around him. He prays for justice. He prays for rachamim. He fulfills his destiny of staka and mishpat, uh, of being or attempting to be a source of blessing for the other nations of the world through his tefillah. In other words, on some level, the tzitkut, the righteousness of Abraham, is about something much more than just simple obedience. Ironically, sometimes it's about a kind of quasi-disobedience. Instead of saying, yes, sir, uh, to God's demand or God's desire or God's revelation about the destruction of Sodom. Instead, Avraham says, we might paraphrase here, daring as it may sound, no sir, or maybe not sir. And Avraham prays for justice, for mercy, for Sodom, for the corrupt society of Adam, because this is the mission of Avraham of Tzedakah Mishpat. To sum this up, Noah has a Brit that is a personal Brit. It's just about himself, the or his family, or his Dalit Amot. The righteousness of Noah, the righteousness of obedience, is briti itach, vakimoti briti itach in the language of the Torah. It is just for Noah, it is obedience and nothing more than that. Um, but the righteousness of Abraham is apparently altogether different. It is stakao mishpat, not just obedience, it is something else as well. Um, it involves uh, concern and care, being oriented towards the world, and it results in the tefillah of Abraham for the inhabitants of Sodom. Um, and I think this, of course, is the famous difference, as we all know. Noah doesn't pray, and Avraham did pray. To wrap things up, uh, I think it kind of becomes obvious uh, why is it that we can relativize uh, Noah's uh, righteousness, so to speak, read it down to say it's relative to his generation or perhaps relative uh, to Avraham, because in the end of the day, Noah is not Avraham. And this is justified in Pshutash and Mikra based upon the sustained parallel between Noach and Avraham that the Torah develops. Uh, and this is the answer to our first question. 
Why does Rashi compare it to Avram and not to Moshe? Because it's a parshan of Sefer Breshit. I think this is kind of the obvious parallel that the Chumash created here, and therefore Rashi goes with this, inciting the opinion of relativizing uh, Noah's righteousness. And third and finally here, I think we understand uh, why it is that it is Avraham who is the father of Am Yisrael. Avraham who is concerned with Tzedakah, Mishpat, and is able to be mitpalel for the surrounding context, he is the one who becomes the father of Am Yisrael, as opposed to Noach, who is a tzaddik, a tzaddik tamim. But in the end, his covenant is only uh, for himself, for his own survival, and not necessarily uh, for the world. Just to end, one might say, uh, and here I don't mean to take Noach uh, too harshly, one might say that Avram cannot be until Noach has been. Because where mankind begins is, is with disobedience, with the inability uh, to follow the tzivoy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The story of Eitzagan, Eitzadah uh, Tovarah. Noach is a certain stage, the stage of absolute obedience, a certain kind of righteousness, of obedience, which is incredibly and crucial, crucially significant. It is Avram that represents the building of the, of the next koma, of the next floor, the next level, the righteousness that also knows about Stakal Mishpat, that can be a source of blessing for the other nations of the world. Shabbat Shalom.